Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today is Thursday, August 5th, 2021. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka, one of the biggest labor leaders, uh, has died. We'll talk about uh, his loss and what it means to the union movement. COVID cases are at a six-month high with more than 100,000 new cases reported just yesterday. What's behind the surge and what needs to happen? The eviction moratorium has been extended and landlords are filing suit. In L.A., Mayor Eric Garcetti signed an ordinance criminalizing folks who are homeless. In Michigan, a black realtor says he was racially profiled while showing a home to a black couple. We'll also have a conversation about uh, destigmatizing HIV and AIDS in response to comments made by rapper DaBaby. Plus, uh, how to get a discount uh, on Seek Virtual Headsets. 
just before watching the show. Also, folks, uh, we'll uh, talk about voting rights uh, until freedom. They're going to be having uh, their uh, protest tomorrow as well. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. COVID is causing significant issues uh, in this country. So many people uh, are, frankly, when you look at what's happening in this country, so many people are who are in hospitals right now begging, they're begging for the vaccine. Mm, it's too late. You've got schools uh, in uh, Florida uh, who are having to reverse mask mandates because the governor, Ron DeSantis, is literally threatening to pull their funding. Same thing is happening in Tennessee, our Asa Hutchison, Republican governor of Arkansas, yesterday said he regretted signing into law a, a bill that uh, ended uh, any uh, mask mandates. Uh, these people are actually losing their minds. And you even have folks fighting on Fox News because they've changed their tune. And guess what? A new poll shows that people who watch Fox News, more of them are now getting the vaccine because Fox is now all of a sudden started telling people to take the vaccine. Folks, do you see what is going on? And then you have the people who are saying, oh, my goodness, you know, you really shouldn't be talking about these things. I got people t t uh, tweeting me talking about all kind of other crazy uh, potent potions that, that could actually fix it. Y'all, it's worse in the southern states where they, where they have the lowest vaccination rates and they're leading the country. Arkansas, same thing. The problem there, children who are now in ICUs filling up all across the south Here's the Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchison now singing a different tune. Signed it at the time because our cases were at a very low point. Uh, I knew that it would be overridden by the legislature if I didn't sign it. And uh, I was not uh, supportive of, uh, I'd already uh, uh, eliminated our statewide mask mandate. And so, uh, you know, I signed it for those reasons that our cases were at a low point. Everything has changed now. And yes, in hindsight, I wish uh, that had not become law, uh, but it is the law, and the only chance we have is either to amend it or uh, for the courts to uh, say that it has an unconstitutional uh, foundation. See what's so stupid? He signs, a, he signs a mandate into law saying, well, at the time our numbers were low, uh, stuff changes. Well, the legislature was also going to override me. Well, let them show some damn leadership. Check this out. In Texas, uh, Scott Apley, who sits on the uh, Texas uh, on the Republican uh, Executive Committee, y'all, he's dead. Yep, he died of COVID-19 five days after mocking vaccinations and mass mandates on this Facebook post. This is what he posted. In six months, we've gone from the vax ending the pandemic to you can still get COVID even if vax, to you can pass COVID on to others even if vax, to you can still die of COVID even if vax, to the unvaxxed are killing the vaxxed. Well, guess what? 
He dead. He dead right now. Scott Apley. His family's about to bury him because he... Well, see, see what happens? Texas has 3.1 million reported cases, 52,142 deaths, including him. Only 44% of Texans are vaccinated. Public health officials and politicians are urging all citizens to get vaccinated. The Biden administration plans to require all foreign travelers to be fully vaccinated before entering the country. Joining us right now is Dr. Ebony J. Hilton, Associate Professor of Anesthesiology and Critical Care Medicine, University of Virginia, Medical Direct, Direct and all, University of Virginia, also Medical Director, Good Stock Consulting. Dr. Hilton, glad to have you back on the show. Um, it is, it has been, we, we've watched how these, how these things have gone. And again, everybody has a choice whether they want to get vaccinated or not. That's fine, you have a choice. But we keep seeing numerous stories, uh, Ebony, of people in the hospital right now, intubated, on ventilators, begging nurses and doctors, can you give me this shot? And they literally are patting their hands saying, baby, it's too late. Can you hear me? Yes, we got you, go ahead. Right, my connection froze. You know, we say this, people have a choice, but unfortunately what we do know is that a large population does not have a choice, which are our kids. And right now, you know, if you look at Arkansas, Alabama, Florida, Texas, literally they've run out of pediatric ICU beds. And it's the most frustrating thing um, because for one, those 12 and under, they can't get vaccinated even if they wanted to. But we know that right now, literally only 11% of 12 to 17 year olds are actually fully vaccinated in the United States of America. And unfortunately, we're seeing that younger and younger people are literally dying because of COVID-19. We've seen cases now rise for, from newborns to teenagers out of Florida, out of Texas, out of Alabama, out of Arkansas, Louisiana, where they are dead. And it's adults making stupid decisions because if even for those children 12 and under who cannot get vaccinated at this point, they depend on us to create this umbrella of herd immunity to protect them. But we're so selfish and self-serving as adults in America in this cry for freedom that we will risk their lives in order for us to be able to go to Lollapalooza um, for a weekend getaway. It is absolutely ridiculous at a year and a half into a pandemic for us to try to pretend like we don't know what's smart and what's dumb at this stage. Uh, we also have seen the stories now of uh, the people who were gathered uh, outside of the stadium where the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. Uh, a massive crowd, guess what, 500 people who were in that crowd have now tested positive for COVID. Right. And I mean, and, and Citibank, I think, is planning a, a concert in New York City for 60,000 people. And New York City and Chicago, where Lollapalooza was, literally they were the epicenter of where COVID started, where everyone truly realized this is a problem. And yet our, our vision is so short-sighted that we cannot wait until we get over the surge of Delta um, before we go out and gallivant as if it's not killing 600 people a day. And to give you an idea of what that is, if you think of the largest air, um, airplane, commercial air flight, add an extra 100 people to that and crash it every single day. That's what we're doing with COVID-19 and no one's blinking an eye and it makes absolutely no sense to me. 
check out uh, this back and forth uh, on Fox News. Again, if you want to understand uh, the, the lunacy, if you will, watch this. also saw that in Arkansas, apparently about 20% of the people who are in hospitals with coronavirus, 20% of them mm -hmm. are children. So that's one of the things they're obviously going to be talking about. There are a lot of kids under 12, cannot currently be vaccinated. But if your kids are over 12, you probably ought to get the shot. Yeah, right. But or see a doctor decide what you want to do. That's what usually people go to for medical advice, doctors. I didn't go to a doctor before I got the shot. Well, that's, your that's your decision. Your Absolutely. That's yeah. your decision. But I don't think anchors should be recommending medical advice. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, but a lot of people have been tuning into the show for 25 years to see what we think about different things. I think if you have the opportunity, get the shot. I also saw that. I, I, I find that to be hilarious that Brian Kilmeade would say anchors should not be recommending medical advice. I guess he doesn't watch Fox News um, or he in prime time or he doesn't actually watch even his own show. Yeah, I mean, even him saying you shouldn't go and get it, that's medical advice, too. So, um, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. The GOP makes no sense to me. You're literally killing off your base. If you look at Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, they they have large, Texas, they have Florida, they have largely voted Republican. And guess what? Right now in Florida, literally 18,000 cases a day is the running average over the last two weeks. If you look at Louisiana, they went from 400 cases a day back on July the 4th to 4,000 cases a day this week. It's absolute, it's, it's ridiculous, and it makes no sense. And I think that's why, truly, that the GOP are starting to change their tune and say, oh, wait, now people need to go and get vaccinated. Um, because they realize you literally are killing off your voters by doing this. It makes no sense. Everyone needs to wear a mask. Everyone needs to get vaccinated. We need to stop having these concerts every other day because we're going to be looking at what the models show is by September the 1st, we're going to be looking at 200,000 cases a day in the United States of America. And by October 1st, literally back to 4,000 people dying a day. That's what the models are showing. And we weren't hitting those numbers in 2020 until November, December. So when you think about the fact that we're going to start hitting those numbers months earlier, our, our risk of hitting over well over a, a million people dead from COVID-19 this year is definitely a real possibility. We have to stop playing these games. Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, talked about how we could actually, this thing could actually get worse uh, than it is right now. Help me understand, are we headed towards a period once again where we're going to see lockdowns, businesses shutting down, uh, masks routine for everybody, uh, or, is this, or is this potentially just a, a temporary setback? John, I don't think we're going to see lockdowns. I think we have enough of the percentage of people in the country, not enough to crush the outbreak, but I believe enough to not allow us to get into the situation we were in last winter. But things are going to get worse. If you look at the acceleration of the number of cases, the seven-day average has gone up substantially. You know, what we really need to do, John, we say it over and over again, and it's the truth. We have 100 million people in this country who are eligible to be vaccinated, who are not getting vaccinated. We are seeing an outbreak of the unvaccinated. There's some breakthrough infections among vaccinated. You expect that because 
No vaccine is 100% effective. But in the breakthrough infections, they are mostly mild or without symptoms, whereas the unvaccinated who have a much, much, much greater chance of getting infected in the first place are the ones that are vulnerable to getting severe illness that might lead to hospitalization and in some cases death. So we're looking not, I believe, to lockdown, but we're looking to some pain and suffering in the future because we're seeing the cases go up which is the reason why we keep saying over and over again, the solution to this is get vaccinated, and this would not be happening. The, um, so, to Dr. Hilton, there's somebody who's watching, and, they're, and we, we, they're saying, I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. Uh, yesterday, we had Terrence Woodbury on with the hit strategies. Uh, they've done polling. 52% of African Americans say they're not going to take the vaccine. Talk to them. What, what do you say? What do you say to somebody right now who is adamant or who is hesitant about taking the, uh, the vaccine? What I say right now is that things will get worse before they get better. We know that children are going to start schools in South Carolina. It's on September the um, 8th, I think, or something like that. So we have a matter of weeks. And unfortunately, we know that children, they are curious. They, they like to go um, into the classrooms. We know many states are not mandating masks, but even those that mandate masks, we know kids tend to take them off. And unfortunately, we're seeing our children get infected with COVID-19 and unfortunately die from COVID-19. We also know that children can be vectors and pass that infection off to you. So for those persons that are saying, I am vaccine hesitant, I don't wanna do this, look around you and honestly, Look at the children in your life and say, is it worth their life? Because that's what we're risking right now. Um, it is not a threat. It's a promise. We will be losing far more children than we lost in 2020, of, of which it was already too many. You know, back in March, we had a report that there was over 40,000 new orphans because adults were dying and leaving children behind. But unfortunately, now, this fall, what we can see is the reverse of where children can be dying in those same rates and leaving parents childrenless. What does that feel like? Um, and especially when we can prevent it and we can stop the spread just by getting vaccinated, by wearing our masks, by trying to stop the spread of this thing, by not traveling all throughout the United States and particularly to those places where we know we have ongoing hotspots, which unfortunately now, if you look at the United States map, is pretty much everywhere. Um, we just have to really buckle down these next three to four weeks so that we can hopefully not spur this thing like a wildfire that caught flame in California last year, you know, but it really is that type of picture we have to consider. Um, and, and the thing that I keep, uh, we also got to remind folks is that uh, this surge uh, has a devastating impact, not just on families, but also on our medical professionals. Uh, there've been a number of doctors who said, hey, for, there was a, probably about a two or three week period but things were returning to normal. We're now seeing in Tampa where they've announced no elective surgeries, just like last year, happening in other cities as well. And so, so this is going to have a ripple effect on the health care of people who need emergency rooms, who need to be in ICUs. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not only that. It's, um, it's also if you're thinking about people coming in to deliver their babies. If we're thinking about the fact that people are having heart attacks, that, peop that people who have cancers and need treatment. We are only, the healthcare providers, we're human too. There's only so many hours a day that we can possibly work um, and that gets stretched, trust me. But, um, but it's, it's just thinking through the process of 
there's more consequences too of just dying from COVID-19. Um, and this is another thing I would tell for those people who are walking around without mask on, vaccinated or not vaccinated, that if you're infected, what there's a report that showed that up 2 million people they studied with COVID-19, for even those who are asymptomatic, they didn't have any signs or symptoms of COVID, they just went through and got tested. Well, within a 30-day span, they ended up developing some form of abnormality, either physical, um, fatigue, or, or chronic pain now, or changes to their lab work. One out of every five who are asymptomatic develop these signs and symptoms. And so to play around with COVID-19, we don't know what the long-term impact of that will be for your life, and particularly for the children that have 60 years left of life, hopefully to live, you know, if they are in their senior year of high school, why would you risk that um, when you can go and get them vaccinated and hopefully prevent them from being infected in the first place? Dr. Ebony Hilton, always good to see you. I will be uh, in uh, your home state uh, this weekend. Uh, you for, know for Congress and Jim Clyburn's uh, annual uh, golf tell him tournament. I said, hey, tell him, to, tell him to tell Lindsey Graham, since he's now COVID positive, to talk to McMaster's about reversing the ban on masks that they have for kids going to school. Do yeah. that on the golf course. Uh, yeah, we'll be sure to do that. Uh, and I can guarantee you there will be social distancing uh, <laughs> on the golf course. It's like, y'all stay over there. Absolutely. Everybody, thanks right. a lot. <laughs> good to see y'all. All right, good to see you. All right, let's bring in my panel here, uh, Dr. Greg Carr, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University, uh, Reese Covert, Black Women of Views, Faraji Muhammad, radio and TV host. Um, the, the thing that I think probably drives me crazy the most, Reese, with all of this, uh, are the number of these Republican governors who have signed into law people who so-called so believe in, 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 in small government. Mm. who believe in personal responsibility, who believe that people should make their own choices. They literally are, are, are tying the hands of officials. I mean, to threaten to revolt school funding from schools in order to, because of a mask mandate. In fact, that was an emergency hearing today where they want to provide emergency opportunity scholarships for people who want to pull their kids out of public schools where they have mask mandates to enroll them into private schools. In Tennessee, they are threatening to pull the funding of school districts that, that put into place ma mask mandates. They're trying to literally save lives. Yeah. This is what I've been talking about, the danger of this post-truth, post-factual, post-science society that we're living in where we aren't making public health decisions based on science, based on saving people, based on not overwhelming the healthcare system. We're making them, or not we, but Republicans more, uh, more specifically, are making these decisions to score cool points with, you know, people on Fox News and with their base who has an appetite for destruction, who has an appetite for defiance, who has an appetite for, I guess, sticking it to the Democrats and big government, and it's to their detriment. And I think one of the reasons why they're getting away with this is because at the beginning of the pandemic, it was kind of presented as a black and brown issue. Oh, it's only black and brown people that are dying. For some reason, they don't care about grandma, great grandma, grandpa dying. And so they're saying, well, if some older people have to die, that's fine too. But as Dr. Ebony uh, Jade Hilton just pointed out, and you've pointed out, this is impacting kids younger and younger. And as a mother of a four-month-old, I'm absolutely terrified 
of something happening to her. I mean, I'm vaccinated. Everybody around me is fully vaccinated. She likely has some uh, protection through the breast milk, but I'm still, I cannot fathom the idea of putting her at risk. Um, and so the idea of sending kids to school without masks, it's, it's just incredibly troubling and disturbing. And it just seems like they don't have a problem signing a death warrant. And I don't know if, if it's as much hubris or delusion, but either way, it's equally dangerous. And so this is goes back to what I've been saying and what we always say on the show, elections matter, elections have consequences. And people in these red states, they don't deserve to have their death warrant signed. They don't deserve what they're, what they're being subjected to, but that's the government that they voted for. And so I'm hoping that there will be some sanity in the courts, that uh, there will be some lawsuits to try to challenge some of these mask mandates. We've seen where the vaccine mandates um, have uh, basically been upheld by the courts. And um, it'll be interesting to see if how these masks, uh, banning the mask mandates would hold up in the courts, if the same logic would hold. But it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And to think that some people are choosing to sign up for this danger is even more mind blowing. So we have to we have to try to tackle this disinformation and this post science society that we're living in. And the one last thing I would say is, it's so troubling to know that it's not even about trying to contain the disease anymore, contain the pandemic and the spread. It's just basically saying you're on your own. If you don't get vaccinated, you're shit out of luck. And we know that kids can't get the vaccine. But hey, we'll figure it out. We're gonna and and I'm scared to see what kind of death toll and destruction we have to see from kids because we know from the Sandy Hook shooting, there's an incredibly high appetite for children's deaths in this country, and I'm just very afraid to see how many kids are gonna have to die or, or be, get long COVID or, or be in the hospital before people say enough is enough. Fraj, we talk about again impact. Uh, we often have said on this show that uh, the vaccine is done 100 uh, percent. It doesn't completely ward you off. There are variants, how Delta. Uh, they are in Jackson, Mississippi. They're mourning the death of the sheriff in Hines County, uh, Lee Vance, 63 years old. Uh, apparently, that was a um, he was fully vaccinated. Apparently, that was a outbreak of COVID in the um, county jail. Uh, he was at home uh, for quarantining uh, and he died this week. Um, and the thing that, so you have that example, but really what I think what, what is really um, um, just confusing me uh, are, are the people who, who, who are not listening to children's experts, um, uh, people who are not listening to uh, these uh, doctors who specialize in children. I'm looking, I'm looking on, uh, uh, Cleavon's uh, uh, Instagram, excuse me, Twitter account, and he had posted uh, a particular video where um, a, a hospital official in Arkansas um, said that they had experienced a 690% increase mm. in children impacted. But uh, what also caught me this was this here. 42-year-old John Ayers from Southport, England, died from COVID. Quote, he was the healthiest person I know. He thought if he contracted COVID, he'd be okay and have a mild illness. He didn't want to put a vaccine in his body, said his twin sister. Now, this is his photo. That's what he looks like. A this is him in the hospital. Now, look, th this was a very muscular, healthy dude. I, I, I you know, for, for the life of me, I don't get these people who don't realize what's happening with our children. 
Well, I think it's a few things. Um, and, and I think that once you start looking at, you know, vaccinating adolescents, there has to be a much bigger and deeper conversation uh, because you're talking about children. Uh, one of the big concerns that I, I've been reading about and hearing about, Brother Rowland, is the fact that out of the Children's Health Defense, this is a activist group founded by the attorney Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Who is, who, who is actually one of the biggest uh, spreaders of, of disinformation on the vaccine. Yeah. Well, I mean, he brings up a point. I think we should, and I'm saying this is why we have the conversation. But, 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 but he is, but, but, look, there's a conversation. Of course. There's a conversation, and then there are people who are deliberately sending out misinformation, and he's one of those people. Yeah. Okay, so, and targeting our community specifically. Well, if, with that, flyers. Okay, fine. if we don't want to acknowledge him, but let's look at the fact that if you're talking about having children, and I have two children, I have an, an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. So when we're talking about having children, we're talking about con informed consent. We're talking about what is going to be the impact of the vaccine on their evolving bodies. We're talking about a whole lot of things. This, this, is, this cannot be just a simple rollout. This is not a PR campaign. This is my future. This is Reese's future. This is anyone that has children or caretakers of children. This is your future. So we can't have a, a big conversation about vaccinations, an experimental vaccination at that, that hasn't been fully approved and it won't be at least until February, I mean, until September, excuse me, to, until we understand the whole, at least get the whole picture. I think one of the big parts about this whole process, Brother Roland Reese and Dr. Carr, is the fact that there has been a campaign of everything from fear to coercion to intimidation. Now it's just all out federal workers, you're mandated or you lose your job. But here's this the deal, person, though. Here's the, I'll be honest with you. I'm scared of death. You did damn that. right. No, I mean, and I want to show this. And I want to show this. Doctor, I want to show this. Doctor, I want to show this. Nobody wants to die. I want to show this. Dr. Jose Romero, who is the pediatric infectious disease specialist in Arkansas Children's Hospital, this is what he said. Among children less than 18 years of age who were hospitalized in July, 58% were less than 12 years of age. Listen to this. I'm, I'm going to take it back. Just hold on one second. Among children less than 18 years of age who are hospitalized in July, 58% were less than 12 years of age. I think these numbers exemplify and bring out a very sobering aspect of the pandemic in our state. We have a group of individuals that are extremely susceptible to infection because they do not have eligibility for a vaccine. Among children less than 18 years of so, age who are hospitalized so, in July. So, uh, so I'm going to pull you in here, Greg. So this is the conundrum that we're in. We are literally seeing children's ICUs filled to capacity all in many of these southern states. They are calling around neighboring states. They're saying, we have no room for your children. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to take the vaccine for whatever reason, isolate. Don't have any human contact. If you've already taken it, Save yourself. Wear your mask. Protect yourself. If you've got friends or loved ones who are not going to take the vaccine, listen to them. Ask them why. Try to reason with them from a distance. 
And if you can't get through, cut them completely off. And uh, as for this white nationalist stoop Olympics, and it does look like the governor of Florida is going for the gold medal, which would be the nomination for his party, the white nationalist party for the 2024 presidential cycle. Um, you know, whatever happens to y'all happens to y'all. I'm going to keep saying this until somebody understands it. There is no we in this country. There's no national soul. There's no national sentiment. There's only people living in the same landmass with various perspectives. Uh, that white woman in Arkansas that went viral the other day for her tortured biblical interpretation of why God doesn't want her to put the needle in her arm, I wish her well. Uh, I won't encounter her in the store. I will not encounter her on the floor. I will not encounter her anywhere in the world. And if you want to die, you go right ahead. Because in order to get sick, you have to be alive. Let's not forget that. Meanwhile, uh, the continent of Africa, about 1% rate. The countries in the world that have been rendered poor through structural capitalism, for every 100 people, they've got access to about a dose and a half, as opposed to people in the United States and in the global north who have, for every 100 people, access to 50 doses. And uh, the cover of today's Financial Times talked about the fact that Moderna, which I took, and Pfizer have gone up on the price of their vaccine. They just unloaded $2.1 to the uh, EU block, and they are actually charging more now for their doses. Capitalism is about to kick in. Now, we'll talk a little bit later about this housing crisis, but those at the very top, they could give a damn about any of us. And if you want to value your whiteness over your life, and you watch that cosplay on Fox between Ducey and Kill Mead, and you decide you're not going to stick that needle in your arm, God bless you. Your God bless you. I'm not getting anywhere close to you. And those of you who are uh, essential workers, who have never stopped working over the last year and a half, who have to deliver the mail and bag the groceries and drop off the Amazon packages and do the DoorDash and, and drive the Ubers, put three masks on, because these damn hillbillies are going to kill themselves, and they're going to drag some of us with them. Don't let it be you. Farage, you talked about uh, the, some of the requirements that people are making. Um, CNN announced that there were three employees uh, who came into the office multiple times and were unvaccinated, breaking their protocols, they were fired. Uh, there are other companies who are now making those requirements. I have made the exact same thing. Employers ha can't just think about an individual. They had to think about all the employees. Uh, and, 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 and I totally get companies that are saying, if you don't get vaccinated, you may not have a job. Well, I mean, if, if you're going to make that, and we have to look at the slippery slope that 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 type of, uh, you know, demand will possibly make. The president said on July 27th that this, that the pandemic is continuing, essentially, because he calls this the pandemic of the unvaccinated. I mean, that is absolutely insane, because this pandemic was happening before vaccines even came about. So the pandemic of the unvaccinated to create that narrative to which adds to the growing tension around vaccinations and, and those who are vaccinated, you're creating a war. And when you're talking about, if this gets to the point, Brother Roland, Dr. Carlton Reese, if we're getting to the point now that we're going to make vaccinations mandatory, you're going to have a, a real revolution in this country. And guess what? You're going to say, I'm not just talking about from black folks. I'm talking about, let me just case in point. 
uh, the, the, and I think that we should all kind of talk about this a little bit more, but the USA Today, they put out this piece just a couple of days ago where they looked at this question of whether your personal freedom, what's the end of your personal freedom when you're deciding to do something for yourself and what's the start of doing something for the common good? And as Americans, they, they said this, the COVID culture point, at what point should personal freedom yield to the common good? What is the common good? Now, is the common good saving lives? Absolutely. I don't think anybody wants to just check out of here, you know. But the common good, based upon what we're seeing, we're seeing a, a healthcare com uh, companies that are reaping rich off of this vaccine. We're seeing the uh, conflicting messages coming from the CDC. You know, 70 plus percent of the American people said that they have lost trust in the CDC and other agencies because of the conflicting messages. So what is considered to be the common good and what is considered to be personal freedom? We're not having certain conversations. We're not, we're not giving people a chance to really think about their decision making. It's just take this, take this, take this, do this, do this, do this. No, they actually. And, and at the same time, not giving people quote unquote personal choice. No, 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 they are getting personal choice. But here's the deal though it's yeah. also my personal choice to employ you. See, sure. see, here, here, see here, here's the thing I think a lot of people really, really forget. And that is. When Greg said it, if you don't want to take the vaccine, the vaccine, fine. Self-isolate, because the, because the, and, and so. But the deal though is, if decisions that you a decision begets another decision, Fine. and if somebody says I am not going to take the vaccination, cool. There are things that are going to come with that that you may not like. Now, That's right. if they want to say, well, you shouldn't be firing me. I mean, there are hospital workers right now who right. are angry and upset because hospitals have said, y'all got to get vaccinated. And the hospital said, and if you don't, you lose your job. Now they're yelling and cussing and fussing, but the hospital is saying, we are a hospital. <laughs> we, we, we can't have you. And here's the other deal. How many of us have actually, of the three, of the four of us sitting here, how many of us have gone to the continent of Africa? I'd be there right now. I wish country. I could. I wish I haven't yet. How many? And 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 Greg, you been? I been? Reese, did you raise your hand? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Didn't we all have to take a series of shots before Hilarious. we stood on? We we for all of our personal freedom. That's right. I had to take a. We had to take a series of shots before we could even get on that plane. And if we landed. And they showed our papers, and they were like, um... Nope. No shots? <laughs> Hop your Thanks. ass back on that plane, go back to where you came from. No am question. I, mm -hmm. I mean, am I right, Greg? That's right, brother. But here's, here's the thing, though, Brother Roland. Does this country have the mechanisms, the infrastructure in place to, to, or, for, to protect the citizens who may not be of the same mindset? Are we, and, and, I'm, and I'm asking, because like, for well, example- Well, hold on, when you say protect them, how? No. What, quarantine no. them under, under armed no, house but, arrest? What, what happens on the other side? So, okay, fine, you tell What happens on the other side is we are funerals. What happens? 
Then what happens? How do you protect those citizens? You just leave them to die? How do you ensure the rights of those citizens? No, but Faraji, that's the problem right now. The problem right now is, and I can show you, there are people who right now who did not want to take the vaccine, and they, they, and the they, and they literally right now are making deathbed videos saying, what the hell was I thinking? They are pleading with people. So you just ask, how do you protect them? They are protecting them. They literally are hospitalized right now. The problem is our hospitals are being filled. And, and so- And the reason, and Brother Roland, just real quick, dear brother, the reason that they're being filled is not necessarily because folks decided not to take the vaccination. We don't know, one, what the medical history of those individuals. Two, did they really wear the mask and do the social distancing? I'm all for that. So did they take the proper precautions? I'll show you this here. Travis, Travis Campbell, for, Travis Campbell, 43, from Bristol, Virginia, has been hospitalized more than a week due, due to the Delta variant, which also infected his wife and two children. The unvaccinated man is adamant about making videos encouraging others to get vaccinated now. Here's the video. This place was basically empty with COVID last week. But now it's full. So it is growing and it is getting stronger. Hate to hear lost a couple acquaintances past 24 36 hours COVID is still to strain something else. I would ask you If you thought that you had to sit down and plan your goodbyes and funerals or go get the COVID vaccine, what what would you do? I'd hope to God that all my friends and family would not say somebody handling a piece of paper and a pen. That's a sobering thought of which I have. Reese, no, I mean, I'm sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, no, no. All I was going to say is, and I hope, I wish Dr. Hilton was back here. Matter of fact, she is. Uh, I think she just called back in. Dr. Ebony Hilton, uh, you, yeah. you wanted to pop back on. Go ahead. Yes, um, I was going to go and try to mind my business, but I just listened to see um, what the panelists had to say. And I just want to speak to the gentleman. I'm, and I'm sorry, I don't know your name. You mean Farage, Faraji Muhammad? Yes. Um, for one, respectfully, words have power. And right now, what I am telling you, is that worse than the information that is being spoken, this misinformation, is literally killing our people. We have at this stage, compared to last year, January 2020, when before pandemic actually hit the United States in fullness, we had our first case January 20th. 
And since that time, one in every 420 black people that were alive last January has now died from COVID-19. We have higher death rates in every single age category, including our children. This is not the time for us to go back and forth over talking points because we want to get our voices heard. Because at the end of the day, if you have not had to look at a family and tell them I'm sorry, but they are dead, then I don't need the back and forth. Because what I got to tell you is we're burying nine-year-olds, nine. This has to stop. And, and it's one of those things that really does. If there was a miracle drug, I, I tell people all the time, I don't come from a, med a medical family. I came from a single parent home. My, my parents didn't graduate from high school. I lived in the place that we talk about with the lack of resources. That's what I got free lunch. That's me. So when mm -hmm. I think about the fact that we're already having to battle the fact that we don't have medical resources in the neighborhood that I grew up and I know my family is struggling to even get vaccines in the first place. Literally, they left South Carolina to go to North Carolina to get vaccinated because they weren't getting it out because we got a Republican um, governor. I, I already know the uphill battle we got to fight as far as it's as far as racism as it deals with environmental racism and the toxins being poured in our air and water. I already, all that stuff, I already know. And what I am telling you is that we have young people, young, otherwise healthy, nothing in my chart. I am 20 years old. And two weeks ago, I had to literally bury a 20, I'm not going to say the age and, and the sex of this person, but a person half my age from COVID-19. Mm. We cannot afford to do this, people. I mean, and what, what terrifies me is that we know that if we look at where black people live, we live in the southern states. We live in South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. 50% of all black people, we live down south. And guess where the hot spots are right now, if not the complete south? And guess where the lack of vaccine uptake is happening in the deep south? And guess where high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes live, if not in mm -hmm. the deep south? So guess mm -hmm. who's going to die at higher rates again? Mm -hmm. So instead of it being one in every 400, it'll be one in every 200, and it is going to, it is killing us. Yes, ma'am. And Dr. Hilton, uh, you know, and, and you, it, this is not about talking points, and I'm, I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you, sis, that, you know, having those conversations with families to let them know that their child has lost the fight against COVID-19. This, this is not about to, to score any political points. But I, I think that we should have some deeper conversations. I mean, people are talking about the hesitancy. They're talking about not being adamant. I mean, looking at where this country is, we're looking at the, the, the in terms of the medical experimentation, the history of medical experimentation on black and brown communities in this country. Uh, we can't just disregard that scholarship and that research. We can't just disregard the fact that uh, this vaccine was produced in such a way, and I and I'm and I'm and, and I could be wrong, Dr. Hilton. I can be totally wrong, and I'll be the first one to admit it. But I didn't see a consortium of black medical professionals like yourself and others coming from both America, coming from Haiti, coming from Cuba, to discuss. Okay, we know a company like Pfizer, a company like Moderna, a company like Johnson and Johnson, companies that have real problems in producing. Uh, sound and effective and life-saving treatment. Let's see what other alternatives have been, uh, can we look at? I don't know if those conversations happened. Please inform me. Let me know if those discussions were, were, were had 
where we can look at it specifically for black and brown communities, that those conversations, where we can look at what are some of the options outside of these uh, medical corporations. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. So you're asking, first of all, I can tell you, because we had them on, the National Medical Association, uh, the folks at Meharry, the folks, they were very much involved in as they as a vaccine was being developed now now when you say other options please by all means present the other options I'm, i think uh, there are other uh, options look at look at we can look at south america we can look at we can look at mexico we can look at haiti we can look at what's happening in africa when i looked at some of the numbers brother roland dr hilton when i looked at some of the numbers again correct me if i'm wrong but in the global context, the United States has the highest number of COVID cases in the wait, world. Wait a minute, Faraji. I think, I think you know, just today, uh, no, yesterday, Tedros um, Ghebreyesus, who is over the World Health Organization, called for a moratorium on booster shots in the global north until mm -hmm. vaccines are delivered to Africa. One percent. You got people who will crawl through over broken glass to try to get a vaccine in Ghana, Nigeria, even South Africa. And in terms of Latin America, that's where we've seen, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Hilton, the Lambda strain is coming. As far as Cuba's concerned, that's geopolitics. United States and the global north freezing Cuba out. They developed two vaccines, the Agbada vaccine and the Soberana vaccine, both over 90 percent effective. And so far, they've begun to knock it. I think they're over, they're close to 11 million in Cuba now I've taken one shot. But uh, Dr. Hilton, help me because, again, and Roland, I'm glad you mentioned uh, President Meharry, James Hilton. If you had him on before anybody, he's, he's an epidemiologist. I mean, you know, Wayne Frederick at Howard, the sister who's president of Morehouse School of Medicine, you've had them on over and over again, and you've kind of been the thread through all of it, Dr. Hilton. So something I heard on the show the other day, the brother from A&T who you had on, Roland, made this point. But Dr. Hilton, correct me if I'm wrong, the Delta, the Delta Plus, the Lambda, I mean, I had Moderna, Number one, that doesn't make me immune to COVID. But in terms of the new variants, am I now, because of those, if I get one of those variants, am I more likely to be a carrier with a mild illness? And then because the new variant looks at, I mean, COVID is not racist. And the new variant, right. help me if, if I understand this correctly, that because of the new variant, I am more likely to infect an uninfected person than maybe even before they had a vaccine. Oh, it's just going, it, this, this vaccine's not helping me against we don't even know if it's going to help me against COVID it for is. Lambda. And, and, and is, is, that, is that true? Is that true? And, and it's one of these things. So let's define how variants come across. So it's almost, again, I don't come from a medical family, so I try to think in very simple terms of how I wish someone would explain it to me. So you can think about variants like the telephone game. If I say ABCDQRST and then Reese says ABCDQRSTV, right? And then the next person says A, A B, C, Q, R, L, M, N. That, that's the slight change where we keep the same base, but then it's slightly different in between. That's what mutants are. Because as COVID goes from me to Reese to Roland, the virus's only job and only goal is to be able to replicate. And it knows that if I can trick the immune system, then that's the most likely that I can get to the next generation of me. So I have to change slightly from me to Reese, from Reese to Roland, in order to get to the next generation, if that makes sense. And so when you're talking about the vaccine, what we do know is that the vaccine still recognizes fairly well that ABCD, 
Now, it does not necessarily recognize the QRS if you throw in some other letters, and I'm hoping this is making sense to people as far as this telephone game. But yeah, what is. we do see is that the, the vaccine itself reduces your likelihood of being hospitalized or infected by 8, 8%, eight times, right? Eight times less likely mm -hmm. to, be, to be infected. You're 25 times less likely to be hospitalized and 25 times less likely to die if you are vaccinated versus if you're not. Now, do we have a real threat that we're going to get a, a telephone game of where now, instead of it saying ABCD, that it says QRS first and throws us all the way off? Yes. And mm. the reason why we have the biggest is, again, when we were just talking to the gentleman about vaccines and he mentioned Africa, I don't know, and I think you said you've never been to Africa. I have, I've, I've done mission trips in Africa, and I, was, I lived in Tanzania for a month and then for two weeks um, the following year in 2013. And I tell you, that one hospital was servicing in Tanzania, Mwanza, Tanzania, the entire country of Tanzania. There is not a resource there right. that we have the luxury of having here in the United States of America. So when we're saying they don't have cases, it's not because they don't have cases, it's because they don't have tests for those people. Literally, we had patients that would walk to the hospital for days that I can put up, you know, videos of what I took to show how these children who had infections within, within their belly their families had to carry them for days to get to the hospital, and unfortunately, they would pass away there. So we cannot say that they don't. And it's an injustice to Africa, the continent of Africa, actually, at this stage where 15% of the, of the global population is vaccinated, but yet in Africa, it's only 1.8% because right. they are not getting vaccines in the rate that the wealthiest countries are getting vaccines, and they are dying. And it's not only in Africa, it's in South America, Literally, when we're talking about the P1 variant, that was out of Brazil, right? That was, we had mm -hmm. the Alpha variant first in the UK. We had the South African variant, right? Um, I don't know if y'all remember that one. And then we had the, oh, the yeah. P1 variant, which was in Brazil. Yeah. This is not a, a game of, oh, well, they're, we're only dying in the United States. We're testing more in the United States. We're not doing as many tests as we should be doing in the United States. And yes, we are, we are able to count our deaths better because we have the medical resources that if you get sick because you don't want to get vaccinated right now for whatever reason, you can go into a hospital that's at least 20 minutes car ride from your home, right? That's not the same in every other location. And unfortunately, it's that type of, of not understanding the system holistically that's causing a lot of people to doubt the system and unfortunately it's costing their lives because what we do know again is that in the United States of America, one out of every 420 black people has died from COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. And it's only get, gonna get worse. We are again estimating right now we have 100,000 cases being diagnosed a day. That's going to go between now and September the 1st, which is only three more weeks, up to 200,000 people we're estimating going to be diagnosed a day. And by October the 1st, we're going to be burying 4,000 people a day. And how many of those people are going to be black people? And it doesn't Dr. have to Hilton, be... Dr. Hilton, I'm just... I, I, I'm, excuse me. I just want... I'm interested to get your take on, you know, how do we have a conversation like this? And it's fine. I mean, you know, we can go back and forth. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's very important that we have a conversation like this from a space of really understanding that Black folks do not trust the medical industry of America. We don't trust the medical system, right? We, we, we understand 
that, you know, there are two books, and I'm sure Dr. Carr can go further on it, Medical Apartheid by Harriet Washington, that talks about the dark history of experimental, medical experimentation on black people, and Acres of Skin by Alan Hornblum, which deals with medical experimentation done largely on black inmates. So when we had that history, when we had that history, I mean, how do we, do we just put that to the side? Do we just say, no, it doesn't, it's not important because the numbers are for this is right now? Or do we just say, okay, let's figure out some other way to, to address this beyond a, a PR campaign? No, and I think we do address the history. Again, I don't come from a medical family. The reason why I went into medicine is literally, when I was eight years old, my little sister asked my mom for a brother. I'm the middle of three girls. And at that time, my mom told me that my parents' first child was actually a little boy. She was in the um, her 11th grade of, of high school. They got pregnant. She went to a clinic, and at six months pregnant, they did a test on her. She started leaking fluid. My brother was born within two days, and he only lived three days, and he passed away. That's mm-hmm. the reason why I went into medicine, because I, at the age of eight, felt like I could possibly make a difference where another mother wouldn't have to cry because she has to bury her child. And so in growing up in medicine, I have definitely taken with everything that I've, again, I've, I am from that space. Um, I am from that very neighborhood of where we were talking about Tuskegee, of where we're talking about, you know, the, you're talking about actually with the acres of skin, that's the Philadelphia experiment, mm-hmm. a prison experiment. All that stuff, literally, if you look at, uh, at our website, I have a consulting firm called Good Stock Consulting. Literally, that's all we talk about day in and day out. And what we are saying is holding institutions accountable. If you look at things like Tuskegee, for instance, they were withholding medication for black people that could have kept them alive. And in this stage of the COVID-19, what I ask everyone clearly is, if it was an experiment that could possibly taint you or kill you, would you see the most powerful people in our nation, white people, the president of the United States? Would you see the Lindsey Grahams? Would you see the Mitch McConnells? All of them jumping in front of us, black people, who should have been in the front of the line because we had racial health disparities. But we had Marco Rubio. We had um, Ted Cruz. We had the, the, the Fox News support, you know, people. They were the first ones on stage. So they could use it as a political stunt to say, oh, I'm just doing this to, to gain interest and, and to gain the support. No, they were doing it because they knew it could save their lives. And Lindsey Graham right now with his COVID positive self, if he did not have the vaccine, would likely be dead. That's mm. the truth of what we're dealing with. So we have to look at this thing and take a step back and say, if it was, if it was this huge experiment then would we be seeing people literally jump over you in order to get it? Because if y'all don't want it, I guarantee you there's people all around this globe, like in India, where they're burying 13,000 people a day um, because Mm -hmm. of the Delta variant, that would say, please give it to me because I don't want to die. And and Mm -hmm. unfortunately, in the United States, between now and December the 31st, many people who are hearing my voice right now will not be here. And possibly even me, because when people are coming to the hospital, they are coughing in our face. I don't want to die either. Come but, on. And, and it's that selfishness, that selfishness of thought of, well, I don't want to put something in my body. But when you get sick, then all I ask for you to do is keep that same energy. Again, I'm not from a medical family. Take the white coat off. Keep that same energy then. And don't come into the hospital coughing in my face, because right. I want to go home to my family too. 
I'm going to bring Reese in. Reese, Faraji talked about having a conversation. That's what we've literally done for the last 15, 16 months. That, no that, this is precisely why I have put on black medical experts. We know, based upon the research, Reese, black people trust black doctors than they do anybody <laughs> else. So yes, that right. was a reason why. Now, I get this whole deal about let's have the conversation, but this is the dilemma that we are in. We can talk about what has happened over the last 100, 200, 300 years, or we can talk about how we're going to enrich funeral home directors today. Right. Here's what's so frustrating, because this is exactly what I have been screaming about, the way that disinformation has really infiltrated our communities. It, it, I think we need to challenge ourselves as black people. Why is it that we can quote and we can, we can cite Robert F. Kennedy, uh, I don't know if it's the junior or the third, but a, a, a virulent anti-vaxxer who's targeting our communities with this, who's been targeting our communities with anti-vaccination uh, rhetoric and specifically the COVID anti-vaccination rhetoric. I mean, it's going so far as to hand out flyers. Why is it that there is trust put in that person as opposed to a doctor like Dr. Ebony Jade Hilton, who is telling us that, huh? why is it that we as black people, I'm not, not all of us, and I'm not trying to dump on you, Faraji, but this is my frustration that I've seen in our community where I've been screaming about this. And Dr. Ebony, you know that I've been saying this because you're talking about uh, vaccine access. And I said, we have to talk about hesitancy as well. We have to talk about the way that there is a deterrence campaign infecting our community. And why is it that as black people, we will believe a sensational lie from a white person who wants to do harm to us than the simple truth from black people who are trying to protect us, who are trying to get the truth out there, who are trying to save our communities. And that and I'm not trying to criticize you, Faraji, because I don't think that it's you alone who 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 was who repeating some of these things. But when you quote the CHD and the Children's Health Defense, that's an anti-vax organization. That's an anti-vax organization by a white man who does not want what's best for our community. Oh, and no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted, Reese. No, don't get it twisted. It's not about choosing. Look, I, 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 I trust, and of course, Dr. Hilton is not my personal doctor, but right. I, I trust her scholarship and her, her medical expertise. So it's not about that. I, this is a much larger conversation. So it, it's, it's not like, oh, we, uh, you know, we, we're, not, we're not listening to black doctors. But, but at the same time, black doctors have been used, and I'm saying historically, I'm not speaking of Dr. Hilton, but black doctors have been the face of white interests and white power in the medical industry. See this? But that's... that's, that's... That's that's making my point about the cynicism and skepticism towards black doctors. And there's, there's, why, all I'm saying is, why isn't there that same cynicism and skepticism towards anti-vaxxers like Robert F. Kennedy and the children? Okay, fine. We don't have to bring Robert F. Kennedy. You, don't, you can but, agree but from another. But hold on. All I'm saying is, why is there not equal, if not more, skepticism and cynicism towards the people that are actually trying to harm our community, that are actually trying to make it so that that one in 420 black people becomes one in 200 or one in 100? Why is there not the same level of scrutiny and cynicism towards those people? Those are the people who are actually trying to harm us. That's what I'm saying. If you want to be, if you, if you want to be uh, skeptical of anybody, I'm all for being critical. I'm all for getting the facts. I'm all for doing the research. But what I find as a trend, and it's not 
not it's not exclusive to COVID-19. It's in politics. It goes across the board. Is there is that there is there's data that is contrary to conventional wisdom that is uncritically ingested, indoctrinated, and regurgitated. And then you have the actual facts on the other side. And the people that are that are trying to give the facts, people like Dr. Ebony Jade Hilton and a number of black experts, as Roland has had on the show, are the ones who are tools of the of of, of the white agenda, and they're the PR campaign. The PR campaign is a children's health defense fund. That's not a medical organization. They're putting out flyers. Okay. We already trying to get That's a activist group. So it is what it is for them. Yeah. But, I, but but again, we see this is not about picking and choosing. This is a looking at a pattern. This is looking at a system that has not been kind to black bodies. Okay, and black all right, okay, fine. Just show me this then. Okay, fine, show me this. This is very simple. Please show me, and first of all, we know very well what the, first of all, ain't nothing in America. There's not nay system in America that has been kind to black people. We can apply right. that to real estate, Wall right. Street, I mean, every single system. We got that. Fine, right. show me this. Show me a black doctor who does not believe in the current three vaccines, who has come up with an alternative. Who? A black doctor. Yes. See, that's... Medical doctor. I, I, the, 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 one, the one doctor on the said the alien sperm, he might he might mention her. I mean, it, I, it literally makes me think about... No, 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 hold, hold on, hold on. Froggy, yes, I'm, I'm making a point. Because, he, because here, here's the piece. Go ahead. Sh show me. Show, get, break. You mentioned you mentioned other countries uh, and and what what they're doing. God, show me a black doctor who 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 has who has done that. Because you asked Ebony, hey, were, were, were there other doctors who came up with other uh, avenues or methods that, that that are alternatives to the vaccine? Okay, show me. I'm asking the question, Roller Roll. No, no, no. And so the fact, the fact that you can ask that question, and I don't know, and everybody don't know, and Greg don't know, well, and Reese well, don't know, well, and, 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 and if so, and if they're there, fine, bring it out there. But the dilemma that we are faced with right now is this: it literally is life or death. Right. I understand. That's the that, see. We could have. The historical, larger, broader, deeper uh, breakdown of the system. This is what I know right now. When my ass go fill up my gas, <laughs> I better have some gloves on and some right. damn disinfectant because right. the, Delta, the Delta variant might be on that gas pump. When right. I get on that plane, I am not thinking, I mean, let me be real clear, when I sit my ass on that plane tomorrow to fly to Charleston, South Carolina, yes. Roland at that moment ain't thinking about Tuskegee. I'm not thinking about a jail. I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm thinking about goggles, mask, filter, gloves, wipe everything down, getting right. out of there. I'm not dismissing nothing has happened to us historically, but okay. I have to deal with the present of what's happening now, and that's why. That's, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, why I'm, Dr. Robert I'm, Graves, 
from North Carolina A&T has constantly been on here. And Ebony, and Tyson Bell, and when you had the presidents of Dillard and Xavier who participated in this COVID study. That's why we had the president of the National Medical Association, the largest group of black doctors in the country. That's why we've had these people on because the, if, if, if we can't trust our black experts, well, hell, who left? Because I damn sure not going to listen to Robert F. Kennedy. <laughs> well, well, and that's fine. Well, Faraji, and you remember, uh, you remember this, brother, when HIV AIDS was really slamming our people, and it's still slamming our people, as we'll talk about in yeah. a minute. But uh, remember uh, Dr. Barbara Justice, uh, Abdullah Ali Muhammad, and we're talking mm -hmm. about Alfred Interferon and various. Now, let's set aside the science for a minute. Because uh, I agree with you 100% about the distrust of the system. And it isn't just historical. I mean, Dorothy Roberts up at University of Pennsylvania Law School wrote a book called Killing the Black Body. It isn't just Tuskegee. It isn't just Holmesburg Prison. It's our experiences in the doctor's office every day. And so I guess, you know, I'm thinking, how do we maybe steer into this? In other words, what you've described, Roland, in terms of how you're going to approach that, that, uh, that, that plane, there are people who would say, but you're fully vaccinated, brother. You don't have... No, 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 no. I'm going to absorb all of that yep. experience-based paranoia of this system and protect <laughs> myself. Because I, I remember, in fact, sitting and, and listening to Abdul-Ali Muhammad and saying, yeah, you know what? There probably have been some breakthroughs. And of course, Big Pharma wouldn't let us know that. At the same time, to the, which, what you're raising, Roland, is very important. And Faraji, I, I know this... Because I hear you, brother. Um, and... I embrace that energy in part because I went to how, and Roland, you covered it. You sent your team to cover it. When the Tuskegee descendants of the people who were in the Tuskegee experiment came to Howard. Yep. I'm listening. I can hear it logically, but I understand class plays a role in our society, which mm. means that there are black people who trust no petty bourgeois Negro. And especially mm. when they're basically talking to black people like we're stupid. So in other words, mm -hmm. if y'all don't do this, you stupid. So immediately, uh, part of the reaction is, I ain't gonna do it because I don't like how you talking to me. So why, mm -hmm. Dr. Hilton, Dr. Dr. what you said at the end there, and when you, were t you and Faraji were talking, that really hit me because, you know, my sister's, I mean, my mother's sister's uh, oldest child, my cousin, has been a nurse for almost 50 years. And she works in Baltimore sometimes, she's on the West Coast, but when you said, I want to go home to my family, That's I'm right. saying, see, that's the kind of talk, but see, you know how to talk like that because you didn't come from one of them petty bourgeois families. No, black people are gonna have to be talked to as if you are intelligent, and I know you don't trust them Negroes. In fact, the more degrees you got, the least you trust them. But when you say something <laughs> like that, I'm thinking about my cousin, and I'm saying, if you go in the hospital in Baltimore and kill Jeanette, I'm coming for your ass today. <laughs> it's, I know, in other words, but but it ha I think that uh, Faraj, what I'm saying that that I think we have to learn how to listen to our people in a way that doesn't communicate. We think we're smarter than them. I think that's why our yeah. people don't trust politicians, don't trust many black doctors. And, and so I'm just saying all that to say that what you're voicing a lot of our people. In fact, Roland, I will say this last. This is why Roland Martin and Filter is so important. Because there are people who are listening who are saying, you know what, I don't know if it's a doctor that created it or not, but I don't trust these people. I'm saying you shouldn't trust none of them. Because if it was up to them, we'd all be dead. But guess mm. what? You need to trust that they are against you, which means what? If they're taking it, to Doc's point, 
then you need to think about taking it. Why? Because the one thing about being free, you got to be alive to be free on top of the earth. Mm -hmm. And that's why when Dr. Ebony Hilton and Ty Dr. Tyson Bell, when they, they, they purposely, when they got the shot, they shot the video, they yes. documented everybody talk about that, why y'all did that. Other black doctors did that because this is real simple. If Dr. Ebony, Dr. Ebony, you ain't trying to sit here and put something in your body that's gonna screw you up. Right. Right, right. And literally, I was the very first person at UVA to take the vaccine, and I wanted them to videotape it. And then I, I did YouTube videos of showing me the days after because, I, again, I don't come from a medical family. I completely understand where the mistrust comes from. And I wanted it to be one of those things of people could see by my example. I, I wouldn't do something to myself that could potentially kill myself. I mean, I, I love life. And I didn't feel that it would be right of, of anybody in the medical profession to ask someone else to do what they wouldn't do themselves. And so, I, like I said, I completely get it. I think, uh, and, I, and I apologize if I came out as being kind of harsh and blunt, um, because it literally- No, 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 you, you ain't got to apologize. No, no, no. keep it real. I do think, you know, it's by the grace of God, my immediate family has not died. And I literally think about that all the time. Um, Same and here. And so how do, we, how do we get past this point of needing more and more data when the data is already there? And we're trying to, to find data that proves our, our, our how, how do you say it, that, that gives our anxiety a home. And at this point, every day that we are trying to find that home space for that anxiety, 600 people are dying from COVID. And it's going to find itself to your door just because the Delta variant is literally, the viral load of the Delta variant is a thousand times higher than the original COVID. It, it is not something that you can just say, oh, I'll be okay. And even if you don't die, I have a mentee who is a young Black woman. She's in her mid-20s, she hasn't been able to taste or smell since January. And what does that mean when your brain no longer works in the same way? She is 26. What will her life look like when she's 40 or 50? Will she develop Alzheimer's at a younger age? We don't know. But we do know that that part of her brain is now scarred in some kind of way. That's scary. And you don't have to go through that. Wear your mask, get vaccinated. Don't go to Lollapalooza and things like that. It's not worth your life um, to have 48 hours of fun. Um, yeah, just we're just trying to get through this together. That's all. All right, Dr. Can I say one more? Reese, go ahead, the final comment. Okay, I just let me just talk to the audience right now. Here's the thing, my people. I understand the hesitancy. I understand the mistrust. What I want to warn you about is that there is a campaign to use that mistrust to mm. further damage our community, our lives. They are playing on that mistrust. There's a campaign through foreign interference, through social media, through organizations like the Children's Health Defense Fund that mean us harm, that are utilizing our well-warranted mistrust to damage us even further. And so just at least keep that in mind when you're seeing some of this anti-vax information. It is your choice. It is your choice, but I will say, in terms of medical racism, black women have the highest black maternal, maternal mortality rate. We do have the benefit. I know many black women that have decided to do home births, that have decided to get doulas. That isn't mm -hmm. as much an option with COVID. I had a standard C-section in a hospital. 
there are alternatives to counter that medical racism. The government is telling us the only thing you get is the vaccine or a ventilator if you get the thing or or, or body bag. Good luck, mm. bitches. So mm. you make the decision whether you want to throw your lot in with the vitamins, with the disinformation, with 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 your with your immune system being in perfect health, or if you want to give yourself a little bit more of a chance with the vaccine, it's up to you. But the government is saying that's it. The bad pandemic of the unvaccinated means if you don't get the vaccine, don't say shit to us. That's what the government is saying, and that's what the employers are saying. And so that's your choice to determine which side you're going to be on. Mm. Dr. Ebony Hilton, I'm going to say thanks for a second time since you decided to come back on uh, watching the conversation. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Y'all right. be safe. All right, we're going to go to a break, uh, and during this commercial break, we're going to show you, this is not all of the experts, but you're going to see, because I, I need y'all to see what we've been doing, okay? We have not, and this is, this is no shade of anybody, we ain't been having black entertainers on here talking about COVID, the vaccine, and your health. We ain't had no rappers, no ball, ball players, uh, no actors, no. We've had real experts on this issue. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about uh, the, eviction, the eviction, eviction moratorium and talk with a black real estate expert on what this means for African-Americans. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered. Every single night. We've got some of the top black experts. You're not going to see them on cable news or broadcast news because you swear black people aren't experts when it comes to this health crisis. That's why we have this show and why we do what we do every day on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Joining us right now is retired General Russell Honoré, the nation's first black surgeon general, Dr. Joycelyn Elders, John Hope Bryant, he is the founder of Operation Hope, Senator Kamala Harris of California, Dr. Sadrina Calder, retired General Lloyd Austin, Congresswoman Karen Bass, Commissioner Omari Hardy, Bureau President in Brooklyn, Eric Adams, Dr. Joseph Graves, America's Wealth Coach, Deborah Owens, Dr. Corey Abair, Patel Salt, uh, Howard University student, Pastor Jamal Bryant, a doctor, uh, Christy McDowell, Benja Ajilore, senior economist at the Center for American Progress, Gilda Daniels, again, author of the book, The Crisis of Voter Suppression in America. Four stars, General Kip Ward, Dr. Oliver Brooks, is president of the National Medical Association, president of the American Medical Association, Dr. Patrice Harris, Joby Benjamin, Dr. Alexia Gaffney, infectious disease specialist, Dr. George is Benjamin, uh, executive director of the American, American Public Health Association, Malcolm Nance, family medicine physician, Dr. Jen Caudle, Dr. Tashaka Cunningham, a molecular biologist, Kat Stafford. She's a national race and ethnicity reporter for the Associated Press. Dr. Wayne A.R. Frederick, uh, who is the president of Howard University, Congresswoman Yvette Clark uh, from the state of New York, William Springs, AFL-CIO economist, uh, Andrea James, executive director of the National Council for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. All right, let's go to Capitol Hill. Congressman Gregory Meeks, Congresswoman Anybody Johnson of Texas, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, mental health clinician, Jamie Singletary, Prince George's County State's Attorney, Aisha Braveboy, as well as Dylan uh, Harry, ACLU Justice Division strategist. Uh, Dr. Cindy Duke, uh, she is a virologist.
Rogers, Principal Steve Perry of Capital Prep. Health and wellness specialist Dr. Yolanda Hancock, Desmond Mead, President of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, Cliff Albright, who is the co-founder of Black Voters Matter, Michael Harriet with the group, Amina McWhorter, founder of Love by the Hand of Dr. Julian Malvo, economist president, Emerita Bennett College, coroner Michael Fowler, is a mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, mental health therapist, Suzette Clark, Justin Gibney, attorney and political strategist, and Bishop Vincent Matthews Jr., Dr. Suzette McKinney, CEO and executive director of the Illinois Medical District, Dr. Leon Madugo, president-elect of the National Medical Association, Jana Bailey, mayor of Moss Point, uh, Mississippi, uh, Mario King. We're going to keep driving this thing to make sure our people are fully aware, safe, protected from coronavirus. You get the top medical experts, the top business experts, top political experts, top religious experts, because that's why we do what we do unapologetically and unfiltered. Ain't nobody else in the black media space doing what we do. Watch Roland Martin Unfiltered daily at 6 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope, or go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered Daily Digital Show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans, contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out Tiffany, I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, the CDC's extension on the eviction bans is uh, being rechallenged in the courts. The chapters of the National Association of Realtors in Alabama and Georgia filed a motion in federal court to vacate the ban that the CDC ordered Tuesday to areas of the country with high transmission of coronavirus. The same groups led a legal challenge against the first federal eviction moratorium that expired on Saturday. That lawsuit prompted the Supreme Court to cast doubt on the CDC's authority to grant the ban. This new eviction moratorium will cover about 80% of the U.S. counties and 90% of renters and end on October 3rd. President Joe Biden hopes this will allow the federal government and states to enact a rental assistance program from last year's $47 billion rental program. Joining me now uh, is real estate and broker and owner Mark Alston, Public Affairs Chair for the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. Glad to have you uh, on the show here, Mark. Uh, sorry to keep you waiting. But uh, that uh, COVID conversation uh, was quite fascinating, and I did not want to end it because a lot of people, I think, uh, were learning a lot that was needed. Um, people have been saying, hey, this, this, this moratorium is unfair to owners, that they're the ones who are getting screwed uh, because folks have not been paying their rent. How would you assess this, this issue? You know, I'm, a, I'm the public affairs chair for the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. We were founded in 1947, a uh, black organization that uh, our motto is democracy and housing. Our, our, our constituency is black America, black real estate professionals, black consumers, um, black people, our black communities. We're the watchmen for our community. So when I look at it, when I hear the moratorium, um, it's welcomed. It's it's needed. 
blacks, the last numbers put out by the census in uh, last Tuesday, I believe, blacks are 44% owners, whites are 74% owners. That means 56% of us are renters. And, and we have been uh, disproportionately uh, disparaged by this coronavirus, by this season, and, and there needs to be protection for our renters. I, I do agree that landlords have had it tough. Black folks are, are landlords, too. But, but there has to be a, a balanced approach. There, we have to keep, I, we have to keep uh, people in their homes. I live in the homeless center of America, in Los Angeles. And when I look out, we're only 8% of the population, but we've got to be 40, 50, 60% of the homeless. We've got to quit adding to that. So we are in support of the moratorium. Uh, it's too short. It's 60 days. Uh, we needed to go through the end of the year to give the United States a time to put together the necessary policies and provisions to protect homeowners and to support landlords with the money that's been collected through various fees. But then you got this issue in California where the mayor has uh, now said that being homeless is against the law. Uh, Eric Garcetti signs an ordinance criminalizing uh, being homeless. It specifies times and locations where it would be unlawful for a person to sit, lie, or sleep, or, or store, use, maintain, or place personal property in the public right of way. Uh, violators will be issued a citation from the city's administrative citation and enforcement program. Uh, and so when you look at this and then you look at still the problem that we're having over here uh, when it comes to these evictions, I mean, th this notion that we fully returned from COVID, we haven't. We have we, we are still mired in an economic pandemic, a health, a, a, a health crisis. You know, first, let me congratulate you and thank you for the last segment um, that needs to be be why there needs to be more viewership. We need to see that because not only is it not over, we don't know if we've had the brunt of it. I look back at the Spanish flu, uh, a Spanish epidemic in 1918, and, and the first year was the light year. It came roaring back in the second year. I'm concerned about that. 53% of black people in this country report having housing insecurity. It's important that we provide the opportunity. When the government shuts down the country and says, stay home, when they turn the economy off, then they have to take the protections necessary to, to, to protect and, and those who are damaged by that. Blacks are most damaged. We're the least employed, the, the, the most unemployed, at the highest unemployment rate, and the, and the last ones to come back into the workforce. We're even the lowest being able to work from home. So we've been impacted. A lot of the jobs that we had, not only are they shut off, they're not coming back. So, so now you have this battle. Uh, President Biden, on one hand, has said that, yeah, likely this is unconstitutional. But he also says, what the hell? Uh, this buys time to put a program in place uh, to make his way through the courts. If the court rules, they rules. But his whole deal is, we got to do something. That I agree with President Biden. We, we've got to do something. And, and you know, there's money involved. There's money there. Mark Calibria of FHFA last December instituted a half point cost to every refinance in America, supposedly to deal with pandemic issues in our housing finance system. 
There were 14,500,000 mortgages done last year. 97% of those mortgages were affected. 97% uh, of the mortgages were affected by this half point cost. That's about, there's about 8,300,000 mortgages that had an extra half point cost that were going to generate funds to deal with this pandemic. Those funds should be used to offset landlord costs. There, there's got to be a way for us to address this. There's money in the Treasury. I was looking at Fannie Mae's um, income report a couple days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. $7.5 billion income in the last quarter. We've got to take and put this money back into addressing uh, this COVID-19 season and the emergencies that we have on both the renter side and the landlord side. We've got to protect Americans. All right. Mark Alston. Sure, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We appreciate the expertise from our black realtors. That's why we have this show, uh, because uh, we know the, uh, these other networks, uh, they act like y'all don't exist, uh, but we know we know y'all do. We appreciate you. Thank you so very much. Thanks a bunch. We'll go back to my panel. Uh, this, is, th th this is a significant issue, uh, Reese. And for the people who got a home, everything is all good, that's fine. Uh, there was one woman, I, I, um, someone had done a story when I had done a story um, on, on as a black woman, she had three daughters, uh, and in a matter of days, 48 hours, uh, 117,000 or more was raised on social media uh, for this woman. But that's just that's just that's just that's just one woman. Uh, we now know that part of the problem um, when we had Congresswoman Maxine Waters uh, on the show uh, was that these states and these mayors were sitting on the money. We're, we're not That's deploying right. the money. $47 billion. You know, we consistently as a country and local governments make the choice to inflict pain on the citizens of this country when there's plenty of money to go around. I mean, as, as you pointed out, Roland, a lot of governors are sitting on loads and loads of money. And, and the relief that people need that's already been allocated or appropriated is out there. But there's so much red tape, there's so much inefficiency in the process, and there's obstruction in the process that is preventing that relief from happening. And I don't know if they're just trying to run out the clock or whatever the situation may be, but we're seeing the same type of obstinance and, and, and obstruction that we've seen with, for instance, the expansion of Medicaid and Medicare um, with Obamacare. And so this, again, goes back to the point of why elections matter. But uh, another thing to point out, though, is uh, the discussion that we just had about uh, the Biden administration and Biden saying, you know, this is likely unconstitutional, but it buys us some time. I appreciate that because... Democrats so often just say, oh, well, I don't know, we could do, my hands were tied. So I appreciate taking a risk. Hey, if it works out, cool. If it doesn't, then you go back to the drawing board and, and you know, make Congress have to do their job for once. You know, Congress seems to think that their role is strictly to be an activist. They're a co-equal branch of the government. They have the power to legislate. And a lot of times we get out of Congress is passing the buck and excuses. And so it's in their wheelhouse. They need to be the ones to, to take the action and get something through that's going to pass constitutional muster and, and pass through the courts. Because as we know, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell got over 200 judges. And as we know, 
the first thing that these landlords and these and these uh, businesses are going to do is go after this eviction moratorium. So more work needs to be done. We need to stop making the choice to get people in poverty, to inflict pain, and to actually help the people that need the relief that we have the money to help them with. And Greg, uh, we saw the actions of uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Cori Bush, uh, and others. And for the people who say activism doesn't matter, protest doesn't matter, sit-ins don't matter, they're mm. there to, dra to dramatize the problem. The reason Dr. King called the Poor People's Campaign and to have them live on the mall in Washington was to, was to create the drama to show the reality of poverty in America. You can't just do it just sitting behind closed doors. Uh, and it, it mattered. And, and, and how embarrassing for the Cle for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, who wrote an editorial that literally dropped an hour before a deal was announced, uh, basically uh, trashing, uh, basically trashing Representative Cori Bush, saying that her, her actions were essentially irrelevant. Boy, how stupid you idiots look at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Well, they might look stupid, but not to their hillbilly, white nationalist, Klan-adjacent followers. And so I, I celebrate them. Say it with your bird chests. Because Cori Bush, sitting on the steps of the Capitol, and shout out to Cori Bush, uh, Yana Presley, who you talked to last week. Of course, the children, the child of two uh, housing activists who met in Cincinnati, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar. Shout out to them and everybody who went out on those steps for saving some of those Klan-adjacent fools who are calling her the N-word from a place they can still be in because she went out there. And in terms of how you walk through it with uh, uh, Representative Waters, inside-outside game, and, and Cori Bush gives full credit to Maxine Waters for that, but we should mention this, because, you know, of course, Maxine Waters is originally from St. Louis. Maxine Waters was frustrated because, as you just said, Reese, they're playing politics. I'm going to be very careful with my language here. Maxine Waters was frustrated because as the chair of the committee that got that legislation through, she couldn't get the leadership, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you see Jim Clyburn in a couple of days, maybe you can ask him, is he still the number three person in the House of Representatives? They couldn't line up the votes. Ain't no such thing as a moderate. And the, and, and the Congressional Black Caucus as a group is certainly left of damn near everybody else in the Congress, but they should probably, probably put a pause on calling themselves the conscious of the Congress until we see a little bit more movement. But they couldn't get the vote. And... The Supreme Court didn't say it was unconstitutional. What Kavanaugh did in siding with the four quote-unquote liberal justices, he's really, a, he's really a, uh, a kind of strict constructionist. That's a whole other conversation. That's a legal conversation. What he basically is doing was gesturing toward the Congress and punting. Biden then punted. He could have extended this thing before, but it took those sisters on the steps to force them to act. Now, why is that important? Disease epidemics accelerate trends. COVID is accelerating a trend. And I wish that a brother Austin, I wish we could ask him a couple of questions. I got a question about this rental investment market that is hot as hell right now. I got questions about the fact that you got landlords, including here in the state of Maryland, who are kicking people out because they're using the exception for people who have uh, overstayed their leases. So you can still evict somebody if you've overstayed your lease. What they're trying mm. to do is buy up rental properties. In fact, that's not what they're trying to do. That's what they're doing. Meanwhile, Cincinnati, since people, you know, 
picking sides in a congressional contest up the street in, uh, in, in, in Cleveland. Cincinnati, a third of the people or the people who are renting will not say, landlords say they will not take Section 8 vouchers. In Columbus, it's a little closer to Cleveland, it's 50 percent. I want to know what the number is in Cleveland, why people picking sides. But my point is this. The landlords are sitting on the properties, using those low interest rates to buy more properties, freezing people out the mortgage uh, market, and using this crisis to accelerate privatizing property so that people can't buy homes, pay bigger rents, and the least of these can't use federal Section 8 vouchers. 40, almost $47 billion sent to the states. And the reason they're bottlenecking is because they're going to hand this property over to people who are going to make poor people suffer even more. Ilhan Omar put a piece of legislation on the floor the other day, the, uh, what is it called, the Rent and Mortgage Cancellation Act. She says one of the problems we have is, one of the reasons, as you say, that we have this problem is this bottleneck. She says the money is already there. Get rid of the bottleneck. File it in a way that the landlords can, because that's what they do in these landlord associations, these realtors say, well, m most of these people are small people. That's the same shit you say. What about that 50% of people who are not small? These are the multinationals who are buying a property. Omar is like, cancel the rent. Do you understand you have to pay this rent back anyway? And these people are keeping you from getting, they're keeping landlords from getting the, the property uh, money so they can buy the property money. Mom and pop realtors. Don't line up with these corporations. They after your property. So shout out to those sisters who went out there. I'm not into progressive or moderate. I'm into what the hell are you going to do to stop the, what's going on to the least of these. And if you Negroes want to get in the way of that, then I am your enemy too. Roger? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> this is just another show, Brother Roland and, and, and Dr. Cosby. This country don't care about poor people. Um, no. we, 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 this is This is... This is a disaster, and I'm, you know, one of the big things that I'm, um, that I'm looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, even in Baltimore, we're having a problem with, with uh, landlord-tenant issues because they are looking at, um, you know, in Baltimore City Council, they was trying to get a, a measure passed where renters would put their money to a company, and then the company would like protect their money outside of the escrow. But basically, there was a pushback from renters in Baltimore City about, you know, using a third party, a third party that some people say is, a, is, is not trustworthy. But there was some pushback by renters using a third party to hold their money and renters feeling like they have to pay what they call some type of renters, you know, not just your traditional renters insurance, but some extra fees for this company. So there's a lot of talk about tenant landlord issues in this country. And, and I think that, you know, as we see in Dr. Carson, it's important that we keep a couple of things in mind. One of these things, Lisa Rice, president and CEO of the National Fair Housing Alliance, he said, if you want, if what you want is to get people back to work and not having people, not have people uh, out in the streets protesting, then maybe you don't want to kick them out of their houses. Mm. And this, and, and this, what I think, Brother Roland, opens the door for the bigger issue of gerrymandering, which we all understand what it is, of uh, redistricting. I mean, because of the simple fact that if you move people out of their homes, then they don't have a residence. And then now when the lines start to move around for the next upcoming election cycle, then you got the, 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 the resources are different for that community and the power is becomes different for that community. And so that's, that's the concern that I have 
what does what's the impact of the moratorium on the election ballot come 2022? Mm. Folks, I do want to uh, go with this story here. The president of the AFL-CIO, Richard Trumka, uh, he has died at the age of 72. Uh, Trumka's organization represents more than 12.5 million workers. Uh, he was a leader for more than a decade. Lee Saunders, uh, my alpha brother, who is president of the American Federation of State and County Municipal Employees, uh, and of course, they also a partner of us here at Roller Martin Unfiltered, said this about Richard Trumka, Trumka's untimely passing. He said, we lost one of the nation's fiercest, most effective advocates for working people ever. From his earliest days working in the coal mines of Pennsylvania, Rich has lived the values of the labor movement with the greatest passion and purpose. He has touched and improved so many lives. Trumka uh, was actually uh, camping with his family. Uh, was on a hike. Uh, it was a hiking and when he suffered a heart attack uh, and passed away. Uh, the, when, we, when we talk about power in this country uh, and understand this here our offices literally are right here on black lives matter plaza uh, if you walk in that direction you you can walk to the white house the white house is only uh two or three blocks from where we are about a block from the white house the headquarters of the afl cio um just uh want to just get uh some thoughts again uh, on uh, his impact uh, and, and an, an untimely passing, uh, Greg, he was literally, you know, the, in the middle of all of this debate negotiation with Congress over workers uh, and COVID uh, and, and lots of public policy. And so to lose Trumka uh, at this point is certainly a huge blow to the labor movement. Yes, it is. Trumka, third generation coal miner, as Brother Sanders said. Um, the little town he was in in Pennsylvania, born in Pennsylvania, his granddaddy was a miner, his father, him. Uh, Buckeye Coal, in fact. Uh, it was one of those mining towns. And when we understand that only about 10% of the workers in this country are unionized, we understand that it has been the mission, the absolute mission, particularly post-World War II, of the rich in the world, but certainly in the United States of America, to crush organized labor. And Trumka represents that type of, and I'm going to say this very clearly, white man who understood when it comes to class politics that labor, to quote Karl Marx of all people, labor in a white skin will always be oppressed as long as labor in a black skin is oppressed. And the AFL-CIO had to get over its early demons. Remember, April Randolph was the first black president, vice president of AFL-CIO, because with the time they would exclude black workers and the owners would use black workers to break the strikes. Trumka is able, through his work with the United Miners, then eventually he ran them for a while, then when he was the secretary uh, general uh, of AFL-CIO, and then as president, to build those coalitions. The only other thing I would say, and it's very important to understand, is this. Organization works. You can't beat money without being organized. And if you don't think all the politicians who we like, who we don't agree with all the time, but who we prefer over the alternative, organized labor had a great deal to do with getting many of them elected. This is a loss. This is a loss. And, and you know, we just need to, it reminds us, though, of the importance of organized labor. Uh, it was uh, Senator Chuck Schumer who took to the state, took to the uh, podium at the United States Senate uh, to uh, give the news of the passing of Trumka. Uh, Reese, 
uh, when we think about, again, the labor movement, there's been a resurgence. We've had Lee Saunders on talking about this, a resurgence uh, in the last four or five years because the labor movement went back to its roots, uh, explain to people why they matter. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, there's always this class warfare where people, the Republicans in particular, have run this campaign to try to convince people to vote against their own interests, which is the labor movement. But Trumpka has a very long record of being on the right side of all the issues and being a fierce advocate. I mean, he uh, helped the, uh, Dr. Carr mentioned the miners. He organized the miners to stand in solidarity with the South, with the miners in South Africa who were fighting apartheid. He was mm -hmm. the recipient of the World Peace Labor uh, Award 2018, I think that was the inaugural award that he received. And so, you know, for a white man, I'm going to have to say it, you know, he, he, he was pretty cool. He was pretty down. And so it certainly is a loss for the labor movement. But, you know, it's 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 really like you said experiencing a resurgence i don't think that it's going to you know necessarily stop us in our tracks the biden harris administration has you know put new labor people in place in terms of the boards that donald trump has stripped and the republicans have been really hostile towards so his his legacy and his work will certainly live on uh, and of course uh, it was a uh, shocking Parashi, because uh, he passed away of a heart attack it was uh, so sudden uh, unexpected uh, and, uh, and, and now, as you begin to, to look at this movement now, uh, the, re the reality is with Trump's passing, uh, it really, I mean, Lee Saunders really uh, steps into the role as uh, America's, um, you know, in terms of a significant role as, 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 a, as a powerful uh, uh, labor force. Uh, no, and obviously AFL-CIO is in mourning, uh, no word in terms of who is going to replace him, what the process looks like. Uh, but we also know that uh, that uh, the, the, the rights of African-Americans, uh, despite all of what Greg also said there, uh, is that the labor movement has played a, a crucial role uh, in making that happen, too. No, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that as we, we talk about his life and legacy, um, we have to understand the importance of organized labor. Um, and and you, brought up, you just brought it up, Brother Bolin. Organized labor has played a huge role in making sure that the voices of black workers, especially uh, laymen and laywomen, um, is not forgotten. Uh, but there's still some work to, of course, there's work to be done to make sure that there's some real equity. But, you know, bringing black folks into unions, and let me just say, we got to look at AFL-CIO. AFL-CIO can be a model of what black, uh, of what people can do when they're organized and come together for a common cause. And so in the same way the AFL-CIO is working, you know, we, 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 I mean, we're looking at a situation at Amazon where they still don't have a union. Mm -hmm. We're looking at even today where some black folks are working in spaces where they're not organized. And so, you know, AFL-CIO is a, is a model that we can look at. And to have a, a, a man like Mr. Trumpka just, you know, passing away, it's going to be interesting to see the way the leadership goes, especially in a time of COVID-19, where workers are being laid off and workers' rights are being threatened and the whole nine. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how uh, the, the union is going to move forward um, over the next five to 10 years. Uh, mm -hmm. Folks, um, uh, last item here, uh, and that is uh, the reason. So I was wearing something else today, but the reason I decided to uh, uh, to put this on uh, because uh, in memoriam, uh, J.R. Richard, 
Uh, 71 years old, one of the greatest pitchers in Houston Astros history, died uh, again at the age uh, of 71. His career was cut stroke, cut short uh, by a massive stroke uh, he suffered. One of the most dominating pitchers. Uh, there is no doubt that if his uh, career was not cut short by that stroke, J.R. Richard would be a Hall of Famer. I dare say, Greg Carr, uh, he was uh, the hardest throwing pitcher since Bob Gibson. Man, Roland. Brother, we used to watch James Rodney Richard, and my team was the Reds, because they had George Foster and, you know, uh, Joe Morgan and them had all the black ball players. When you face James Rodney Richard, you might as well just put the W in, man. This guy played what he used to call in the South country hardball. Six foot eight, throwing 100 miles an hour, just as easy if he's playing catch. And you couldn't, and it, imagine Ro James Rodney Richard and Nolan Ryan on the same damn team. These cats, man, the Astros, I mean, but anyway, James Rodney Richard, you know, puts me back to my teenage years. But then that stroke and then his money is gone. Yeah. And then he's sleeping under an overpass. Is that right? Yeah. Bro, he was homeless for a while. He was homeless, yeah. So, yeah, man, one of the great ones. And had he not gotten sick, he'd have been a first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, this is the statement that the uh, Houston Astros owner uh, put out. Uh, and uh, th today's a sad day for the Houston Astros as we mourn the loss of one of our franchise icons, J.R. Richard. J.R. will forever be remembered as an intimidating figure on the mound and as one of the greatest pitchers in club history. He stood shoulder to shoulder with club icons Larry Durker, Joe Necro, and Nolan Ryan to form a few of the best rotations in club history. Sadly, his playing career was cut short by health issues, but his 10 years in an Astros uniform stand out as a decade of excellence. We send our heartfelt condolences to JR's wife, Lula, his family, friends, and countless fans and admirers. Uh, folks, he was six foot eight uh, in his career. Uh, he was one, uh, 107 wins, 71 losses, 3.15 ERA, 76 complete games, won 20 games in 1976, won 18 or more games in four straight seasons. He also became the first Astros pitcher to reach 300 strikeouts in a season with 303. Uh, and uh, again, in 1979, broke his own club record with a major league best 313 uh, strikeouts. Uh, and again, he literally suffered a stroke during the season, uh, during the season uh, on July 30th, 1980, uh, and all of that changed. Uh, the only sad thing I will say, Reese uh, and Faraji, uh, J.R. Richard should have had his uniform retired by the Astros while he was living. That was one of the things that he really, really uh, had hoped for, had pined for, uh, but it never happened. And this is one of, the th one of the reasons why I think it's important for us. Like, I never understand, like, I'll go ahead and say it, you know, the, I, in December, the Kennedy Center, Barry Gordy is gonna be one of the honorees. Barry Gordy is 91. Okay, mm -hmm. ain't that many people live to their 90s, especially black men. Okay, um, you look at, um, and, and, and I wish it already happened, but Congresswoman Terry Sewell, uh, she's been pushing mm -hmm. for Fred Gray, the, the civil rights oh, uh, legendary attorney. Fred Gray's 90 years old, and she's been pushing for him to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, Reverend Dr. James Lawson, who's mm -hmm. 92, has never received, uh, also she'd be getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, you know, the, the thing is that it, it always amazes me how folks decide to honor people, uh, you know, you know, you know, once they're gone, you know, give them their flowers while they are here. And that's what I, I wish the Astros had done that with J.R. Richard. And obviously, 
you know, no one knows uh, the time or day. I don't care who we are. Uh, there are people who are young, who pass away, middle-aged, older. Uh, but uh, you know, I would say when we, when we have legends, don't wait till they're 80 and 90. Don't I agree. Wait. I agree. In fact, Roland, I'll say this about J.R. Richard, brother. You know, he should never have been unhoused. How in the hell are you going to be one of the all-time greats and be unhoused in Houston? Yep. Now, I hope Johnny Baker, I hope Johnny B. Baker, I hope Dusty Baker wins the World Series if for no other reason than I ain't been to a Washington Nationals game since they did him dirty, and I hope the Nationals never win again in life. <laughs> and with them, them cheap-ass learners, I think that's probably a, a safe wish. But, you know, they had the Astros had the sense to hire Dusty Baker, but like with Dusty Baker... You come get black people when you're in a pinch. But then, when you're good, you turn your back. Mm. And, and the only other thing I'll say is, and it's interesting, because I thought about this earlier when you talked to Dr. Hilton and we were having that conversation. Look here, man. A heart attack will take you now. My man, Renoko Rashidi, one of the great African Senate scholars, travelers, touched down in Egypt this past weekend. Heart attack took him out Monday. Mm. We have to take care of ourselves. J. Roddy Rich didn't have one stroke. He had several strokes. Yeah. Black people, black people take care of your health, especially us. All these underlying, that's a serious, because that, that heart thing, brother, like you said, no woman, no man knows the day or the hour. But for y'all who use black people and then want to wait to the very end of their life to, on, to try to honor yourself by draping a medal around them so you can kind of sneak out like you really cared, y'all, there's a special place in hell for y'all. That's all I'm going to say on that. Faraj, your final comment. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way with Dr. Carr. You know, when we when we have legends like that, I mean, we we gotta we gotta honor them. And, and a big thing for me is that we don't teach about them when they're alive. You know, I mean, we have black high, we have black schools, we got HBCUs. Bring them to your school, show them living legends, let them tell the stories like the old griots of our of our people. You know, I mean, because if we don't connect the dots for the next generation, they're not going to be invested in the struggle. They're not going to understand. But when you have those legends, you know, you don't have to ship them across all every part of America. Put them on a Skype, put them on a Zoom, something. Mm -hmm. But let mm -hmm. them hear the stories of those legends. It was those stories that were more uh, impactful for me than reading a book. When I heard, you know, some of the great pioneers from the civil rights era and other eras of our people, it was when I heard them, even today, when I listen to, you know, even like an Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson, regardless of where you fall in terms of agreeing on them or any brother or sister that has been a part of the struggle, those men and women made a choice to be a part of the struggle. And right. I think that we got to give them flowers by not just telling them how great we are, but give them flowers by listening to the wisdom that they profess. And, um, uh, of course, um, um... You know, for me, I mean, I you know, my my uh, my my uncle, my uh, my aunt's former husband, actually played uh, for the Astros with J.R. Richard, uh, and um, and I guess <laughs> I guess end I guess ending it this way since we began, J.R. Richard died of COVID. Oh no! Mm. Didn't get vaccinated. Was in the hospital. For, was in the hospital for a month in a coma. His wife also got COVID, uh, but she is okay. Mm. What? Oh, there it is. There it is. 
Lord have mercy. Folks, uh, that is it for us. Uh, Greg, Faraji, uh, Reese, that's really appreciated. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, uh, don't forget, uh, Seek.com is one of the uh, partners with us here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, if you would like to uh, take advantage of their headset, uh, as well as their uh, virtual reality headset, or their uh, 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 or their earphones uh, right here. Of course, there's these amazing, the sound's also amazing, folks. 360 degree sound, the bass is tremendous. Uh, you can use that, that VOP, uh, VIP code right there, RMVIP21, RMVIP21. Uh, use that promo code, and then a portion of the proceeds comes back to us here at uh, Roller Martin Unfiltered. So please, please, um, if you want to support Seek.com, and you can check out their virtual reality content uh, through their site as well, C-E-E-K.com. And folks, and if you want to join our Bring the Fan Club, all you got to do is do so by, uh, again, um, giving us via Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or Zelle. Uh, we don't place a limit. We don't require you to spend a certain amount. There are people who support us who have given us more than the 50 bucks that we've asked for. Others who have given less. We appreciate every single dollar. So please do so. Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rolling as martin.com rolling at rolling martin unfiltered.com folks that is it for us uh i am going uh to be off tomorrow uh faraji muhammad is going to be um sitting in for me tomorrow i am going to be in south carolina uh taking the day off congressman jim clyburn has his golf tournament this weekend so i'm gonna go down there and kick some butt you know he's an omega i'm an alpha we got to show them who what works because he also remembers last year in my flight, my team took second. Yeah, I'm coming for first place this year. So, I appreciate it, folks. Uh, I shall see you guys on Monday. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.